1: but we'll retire by the time we select our ideal location. We will be speaking to folks from across the street to across the globe who have moved to the dream venues and more. So please stay tuned. And remember, if you know anyone who has moved anywhere for retirement, let us know. Thank you. Bom dia. Today's guests are Daniel McBride and Tim McBride, who moved from Palm Springs, California to Armada, Portugal. Almada is a city of about 177,000 people located just across the Tajo River from the much larger city of Lisbon. The Two cities are connected by the 25th of April Bridge. Some people tend to view Almada as just a part of Lisbon, but Almada is its own city with its own distinct personality. Think Manhattan and Brooklyn or San Francisco and Oakland. Almada does have its share of tourist attractions such as Cristo Rey, a giant monument of Christ, and the Boca do Vento elevator, an elevator attached to a cliff on the Tagus River with a great view of Lisbon, but it is the center of Almada with its narrow streets that you will find the true atmosphere of Almada. TheBlondTravels.com has noted that by visiting places like Almada, you have an amazing opportunity to see how people really live in Portugal. Gil?
0: Dan McBride is a father, husband, singer, and dog lover. He was born in Hayward, California and raised in Boise, Idaho. After high school, he had a career as an electrical contractor for over 20 years. He then earned associate and bachelor of science degrees at Boise State University and a master of science in physician assistant studies at Pacific University. Next, Dan practiced medicine as a physician assistant primarily in pain management in Washington, Oregon, and California. His most recent accomplishments were retiring in 2021 and moving from Palm Springs, California to Portugal with his husband, Tim, and dog, Bubba. Dan's 2023 book, So You Want to Move to Portugal? Your Ultimate Guide to Retiring in Portugal, shares tips they learned in that process. Dan's interests include singing, cars, travel, cooking, home improvement, and writing. He has spent many years singing in men's choruses. Tim was born and raised in Michigan. He earned a Bachelor of Arts in Graphic Design with a minor in Business Administration from Central Michigan University. After college, he moved to Los Angeles to work in fashion, retail, and manufacturing. He then moved to Portland, Oregon, and worked for Pendleton Woolen Mills before transitioning to real estate. Oh, I I love those Pendleton sweaters, right? Mm -hmm. They make, oh, very nice. After the financial crash of 2008, he returned to school and became a certified cosmetologist. Tim worked in the beauty industry until 2019 when he earned a fund development manager for a theater company in Palm Springs, California. However, the pandemic led him to be out of work for about 19 months. The couple met at a dance in Portland and married shortly thereafter in Victoria, British Columbia a more progressive country. Both of them agreed to move to Palm Springs and following the pandemic, they were united in their plans for retirement and creating a home overseas. By the way, they also have remodeled and flipped several homes in almost 20 years. In their new life, Tim joined a gym while Dan practices yoga, taking advantage of the affordability compared to the cost in the US. They decided against owning a car and prefer to walk everywhere. They've also joined various expat groups that meet for coffee, dinners, or socializing over a glass of wine. These gatherings provide diverse experiences and connections with people from different countries and backgrounds, which Tim believes wouldn't be possible in the United States. Tim describes their current lifestyle as comparable to being on a cruise. They have the freedom to relax or take side trips and stay busy as they please. And he adds... The great thing about this life is that it belongs to us. Yay. So guys, welcome to Retire There. We are thrilled to have you. And this makes it our what seventh Portugal show?
1: Something like that. It's a lot. Wow.
0: Yeah. So wow. For- <laughs> nice. Cover every area. And and you know, we our criteria is so long as the cities are not directly connected Mm -hmm. because people love Portugal.
1: But what did that one listener say?
0: That we've covered... More than adequate and time. Oh, yeah, I think,
1: I think it was a little dicier than that, but yeah. Yeah, it was
0: really <laughs> nice. Who gives, right? Who gives? But he
1: still listens. <laughs> yeah, well, he go. still
0: listens. Give us an idea of what prompted you to uproot yourselves from the comfort, everything of the United States yeah. and go to Portugal.
2: And, and you left Palm Springs. People love Palm Springs. Well, you know, Palm Springs. Palm Springs is a bubble. It's kind of this big gay bubble. It's a great place. It's a great place to visit. And living there is totally different than vacationing there. That's the thing. But what really prompted us to uproot and change is COVID. I think if we hadn't had the pandemic, we'd probably still be just trucking along, doing everything that we had done, you know, just kind of keep running on the hamster wheel. But it really kind of forced you to stop. I mean, literally forced you to stop. I mean, Dan still worked through the pandemic because he was a provider. He did a lot of work from home for a while. And then I didn't work at all. So it's kind of this thing of like, what do you want to be when you grow up? You know, we had the time to ask that because right before the pandemic hit, I said to Dan one time, I said, I feel like my life isn't my own anymore. I would kill for two weeks just to sit by the pool and relax. He got it. He got got the opportunity. 19 19 (laughs) months worth. But what really started is Dan came home one day and he was burning out. He was really burning out. We had this grand plan that we would work at least till Dan was 70 and then figure out from there. And he was like, "I, I can't do this much longer. I don't know what to do. So we talked about it. I remember we were sitting in the hot tub one night and I looked at the house. I said, well, you know, if you want to retire, that's cool. That's fine. We can't afford to keep this house. If we do that, because our jobs were going to pay for the house and the pool and the hot tub and the cars and the, you know, the, 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 the. the, the. Mm-hmm. And we'll have to simplify our lives. We just kind of talked, started talking about how do we want to simplify our lives? And that got Dan, the project manager, to like be Mr. Google and start researching. Yeah. First of all, we wanted a vacation. And then second of all, we started, where do we want to end up? Because to end up in Palm Springs on a budget, it's still expensive. So we kept researching and researching and through everything, countries and states and cities and all of that, portugal just kept bubbling to the top of the list. It's like this little underdog that just kept bubbling up to the top. And finally, Dan said, I think we need to really look at this and see what it's
3: offering.
0: How long did that research take?
3: Oh, I would say it, it took probably close to a year. We looked at a lot of different places. We'd spent a lot of time in Mexico over the years. And so that was our first thought was maybe someplace in Mexico. But the more we looked into it, the less inclined we became to go down there as a place to retire and still like to visit there, but not as a place to retire and live. Mm. We kept looking at all these places, Finally, to put together a trip to Portugal, which had to be rescheduled a few times because of COVID. Mm. But then there was that break between the first phase of COVID and Delta, where Uh, you were able to travel again with some severe restrictions. And we took advantage of that and came over here and spent almost a month here and toured the country and decided that this this was a really nice place. I think we could live here.
0: Wow. So you looked at how many cities in Portugal, would you say?
3: Primarily, we looked at Lisbon itself. Porto, and then down in the Algarve, where there are several cities down on the southern coast that are very popular with expats. Albufeira, Portimao, Lagos, Tavira,
2: Tavira, Paru. Yeah, and it was just kind of, it, it was just kind of great to just go, you know, just to be able to, even though he had to wear masks everywhere, on everything, and whatever he did, it was like just. Great to be out,
3: and for one thing, because of COVID, there were there were not a lot of travelers. There weren't a lot of people milling around all the the sites and things. So that we got a we got a good look without a lot of other traffic around us. So that that was actually to our benefit to research. And we stayed in apartments. We stayed in places that we would stay if we were going to live here for the most part, rather than just staying in a hotel or in an Airbnb. You know, we we tried to stay in places that would be most like we would if we were going to. To actually oh, okay. live here,
1: okay. and did you love it right away?
3: Yeah, I think we did. He did.
2: He did right away within days. <laughs> really? He's like, "Oh my god, I love it here! Oh my god, I love it here!" And it was, I was very taken because I was an exchange student when I was younger, and I lived in Germany for a while. I love, I just love the opportunity to be in like an old city, something like this. And I really, really liked it. I was kind of the holdup because Dan was more, let's look down to the South in the Algarve. And I was more like, you know, I got pulled out of Portland and I'm a city guy. I spent most of my adult life in cities. Mm -hmm. And so if we're going to make this kind of a big change, I'd really rather be closer to a city.
3: And he wanted to be near the water somewhere. And near the water. Either one of the rivers or the ocean. Uh, That's how we ended up picking the Lisbon area. And in fact, we did live in Lisbon itself for the first few months Oh, uh, just to get our visa and to get to get yeah. ourselves over here. But then soon decided that being in the heart of Lisbon, it wasn't exactly our first choice. So okay. so we came across the river.
2: Yeah. And it was and it was funny because I remember towards the end, we had come back into Lisbon before we left on our trip. To go back home and we were sitting at this uh place called the Miraduro do San Pedro de Alcantar. And it's got one of the best views of Lisbon mm. from one of the hills. And we were sitting there in these little canvas chairs and drinking an Aperol spritz and just kind of like, what a great time we had. And I looked at Dan and I said, I don't want to go home. Oh. Wow. And that, <laughs> that was, was like, it. that was Yeah. He looked at me, he's like, are you serious? I'm like, yeah, I don't want to go home.
3: But I also reminded him that we left a dog back in California. We had to go back.
2: (laughs) Yeah. We had
3: to go back for Bubba. But it was,
2: (laughs) it it took that three weeks on. It was just kind of like, there's just this inner calm that I feel here that just Uh kind of, that I didn't have in the state, any
0: other place. Oh, oh, oh. or any other uh, Portugal.
2: Well, and, well in Portugal Portugal I got the interviews in the entire country I truly loved Porto I absolutely love Porto yeah but the climate is more like Seattle Portland where Ooh. we were from mm-hmm,
0: mm-hmm. and
2: I I just can't do the rain thing you know yeah and, I don't blame you if you're gonna go to Portugal why yeah you know? yeah why why, why move back into
3: the Pacific Northwest Because
2: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's beautiful it's, it's absolutely beautiful <laughs> yes <laughs> but Lisbon is Midway it's a big city it's got everything we want. And it's kind of like, you know, we're, we're close. And, and it's so easy to get around here with mass transit and things. And even if we want to go out of town, it's so easy to get there by bus or mass transit. So Okay. Okay. And what specifically made you pick Almada?
3: Almada is probably the closest... What I would, you know, equate to a bedroom community to Lisbon without being right uh, immediately adjacent to Lisbon. We're just across the river. Uh, There's a ferry that runs several times an hour, almost all day and all night. uh, That takes eight minutes. It literally is eight minutes to get back and forth. And Ah. it's it's a well developed city. It's been here for a long time. It's got a. It's got an amazing history, lots of great restaurants. The people are very nice. It's just, it's so much quieter and less chaotic here than in the big city. We're still close to the city. We can be there when we want to be there. But otherwise, we're over here and it's calm and pleasant. I'm listening to roosters crowing right now as we're <laughs> recording this. Yeah. And
2: because, too, we're also on a peninsula. So we have the Taju coming down. And then there's this big, huge bay as well. Because this area used to be like, uh, there used to be a naval base here. There was shipbuilding and ship repair bins here with some of the cities around here. So we're on this little peninsula that comes out. So in the morning too, you hear the seagulls. It, wow. It's like being at the beach.
0: Yeah, yeah. You know,
2: and you hear that all the time. It is so... Calming. so Totally calming. And they've been dumping a lot of money into redevelopment and infrastructure here. They've completely redesigned the calzada along the waterfront, restored the, the lighthouse. They've just restored a ship. Ship. They're restoring a the submarine. So, kind of a, you know, tourist interest. The main street up through Casilis uh, used to be a drivable road, and that's been all turned into kind of like a malecon with restaurants. And that's a huge pedestrian way there. So, it's, there's just this charm. It's kind of like walking almost backward in time a little yeah. bit. It that's is definitely really cool. charming.
3: It has a charm of its own. Yeah. Yeah. So, what's the
2: weather like year round? You know, it's funny because we've just gone through our full main first cycle. We got here in March. Winter is colder and a little rainy but not as cold as i thought it was going to be i think maybe at night the coldest is scott i think we had one or two nights that were like in the low 40s maybe and the days low 50s in the summertime days get up to well we've had some warm summers last year it got up to like 94 or 95 a few days and because of the fact that we're on the peninsula we've got water all around us so it's humid you know and people are just screaming they're dying here and of course you know, we're from Palm Springs where 127 is just, like, yeah. so what, you know? <laughs> right. But the other thing too, though, that makes a difference here with the weather, it's very, very bearable. We have windows on three sides of our apartment, so we can open a couple of windows and usually get a nice cross breeze through here to kind of okay. ventilate the house. But as in most apartments here, they don't have heating or air conditioning. Right. So, you know, we've got portable units and they're away for the season now because we don't seem to need them at all. Mm-hmm. But, you know, so we've got those options, but it's very, very bearable. I was nowhere near uh, as cold as I thought we were going to be through the winter. It was very, it was, it was cool, but it was comfortable. But, you know, you kind of just, you take your mother's advice, put on a sweater, you know, that kind of thing. <laughs> um and you do you, see, you have slippers and a sweater and sweats yeah. and
0: So you can use like a four season light down blanket I guess that mm-hmm. can yeah. modify your body temperature. Right. Exactly. Okay.
3: Exactly. Right. It's very right. comfortable.
1: Is it humid in the summer?
2: A uh, little
3: bit. We like August, September it gets really humid. It gets yeah, really Yeah, it, it only seems like it's part of the time. It's not all of the time like some places even in the winter like Even now, it's a little bit higher humidity than normal, but it's not unbearable.
0: You didn't have ACs put in?
3: We haven't had them installed in the house. We're still considering that, but we've got a couple of portable heat pumps that, that, that air condition the place. So with your home, how did you find
1: it? Do you rent or did you buy? What did you do?
2: To get over here, we rented an apartment in Lisbon. So we had our year contract on that. The interesting thing, and I'll just give you a little head up, heads up on that. The interesting thing about that is that the laws are such that once you fulfill a third of your contract, you can give them notice to quit the lease. So we were here for four months. We gave them the 120-day notice we had to give them. And so we only uh, really essentially rented eight, eight months to find this place. First of all, we had decided we wanted to live here. We liked the area because there was a lot going on with the infrastructure and remodeling and things like that. I kind of went back to real estate 101 because I had been a realtor for years Mm -hmm. in Oregon. And so we found a couple of places. There's a, there's one site we looked at called idealista where you can kind of pick out the, the territories and you'll kind of frame in your area to search. We would start to look at those and then. We were kind of—I don't know—we kind of did like a little Jessica Fletcher work. You'd like to look at all the pictures of where everything was. And you can say, oh, I know where that is. Oh, I know the general area of that. And you look for an exterior shot. So then we come over here and we'd walk the neighborhoods for the places that we like mm-hmm. and say, oh, is this is a cool neighborhood or what. Then we had a real estate broker that we worked with who would help us get our apartment. Okay. And we would call her and say, hey, here's a list of, you know, 10 apartments that we've seen that we've kind of researched that we liked. And we would go from there, you know, and she would set up appointments. It's not like the United States where you get in a car and you go see 10 units in a day. Because you have to coordinate with the listing agents, so they can be there with the key so they can take you through, and it just kind of crazy. Because we kind of did things backwards, but we know how to shop for a home. Our agent just kept saying, "You are not normal. You are not normal. People <laughs> don't shop like this." It was just kind of
3: like, <laughs> <What>? <laughs> Yeah, because we would go out and we would do we would do our own research and do the legwork. We would eat, yeah. we'd even come out here to Almada in the evening. After dark, and we would walk a neighborhood that we were considering looking into buying yeah. to see what the neighborhood was like at night. We yeah. came right,
2: at like right. eleven o'clock on a Saturday night one time just to walk the neighborhood, yeah, and just see smart. how noisy it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah
0: exactly. <clears throat> it's smart to check out the place at night yeah. because you're going to sleep there, and if you want right. the windows open, there you got to be ready for that. So, okay.
1: So wait, I'm confused. Did you buy? Or did you rent? We bought.
3: Yeah, we bought this, and and it actually is in a cul-de-sac. It's called a prosetta here, which means a small square.
0: Okay.
3: It is actually very quiet here. Uh, we don't get any through traffic, of course, and uh, you, have, you have to try to turn down the driveway and drive down into this little cul-de-sac, yeah. so it's very quiet most of the time.
2: We were fortunate because the, most places we looked at were, while they had awesome balconies or they were six or seven floors up or whatever and had terrific views, most of them were pretty dated.
3: And did not have elevators, which which was a a consideration for us. So we we ended up getting this place, which is only one flight of stairs above the the main entrance. And it had been completely remodeled. New kitchen, new bathroom, new floors,
2: new drywall, insulation, new windows. It was all, it was completely done and it was well done. And we have a little balcony outside. So it's Yeah, it's you know.
0: beautiful. I saw the photos you sent Thanks. over. I think it looks brand new, you know. I mean everything yeah. is very modern and clean. Yeah, yeah. The
3: other thing that we really haven't touched on is the fact that it is much, much less expensive yes. to buy and even just to to live on a daily basis over here than it is over in Lisbon.
0: Yeah. So, so what's, we, what's we got the this range? for
3: probably probably half what it would have cost in Lisbon. Wow! Wow, that's amazing. So this is about nine hundred square feet, just a little over two hundred thousand. It might be a little more than that now, a year later. Uh, But you can't you can't find anything like this in Lisbon for a couple hundred thousand. Yeah, that's unbelievable. Yeah. So
0: nine square feet. So what is it? One bedroom?
3: It's two bedrooms. Oh, it's two bedrooms. And and a living room, dining room combination. Right. And a fairly large kitchen, which we. Change the configuration of because it was really a kitchen dining area. Okay. But it wasn't really big enough to be a dining area. So we put the dining dining room in, in the great room mm-hmm. and expanded the kitchen. And it, it works out very well. Because okay. we're gays.
2: But- we entertain. And
3: <laughs> <laughs> hey, we entertain too.
2: But
0: <laughs> <laughs> knock down any walls or anything, right?
3: No. No, we actually just put more cabinetry in the kitchen. OK, uh, yeah. okay. expanded into the space that was intended to be a dinette, what okay. was what we would call a dinette back in the 60s and 70s. Yeah. OK. OK. And w- what are the taxes you have here? Our tax bill uh, on the house for the property tax, I think I don't have the exact numbers, but I think it's around 250 euros a year. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Like <laughs> property taxes. Yeah, yeah. For the property yeah. taxes and our homeowners insurance is about the same.
0: OK. With, oh, that's and- with
3: an earthquake rider. Oh. That's incredible. There's an earthquake rider? There's an earthquake rider on it. Yeah, which of course is optional. You don't have to buy that, but it was pretty inexpensive.
0: Yeah.
2: Yeah. So it's
3: more- Now, there is a a pretty hefty tax bill when you buy or transfer ownership of property, and that does have to be paid up front in Mm -hmm. cash Okay. when you buy in Portugal. It's not something that, like you would probably experience in the States where on closing, they would roll those closing costs into your mortgage. They don't do that here. Okay. So we spent 11,000 euros in cash for various fees and transfer mm-hmm. taxes and a stamp tax and all that kind of stuff okay. when we bought this place, which is about a little over 5% of the purchase price. Okay.
0: Okay. That's Plus, so interesting that they want it in cash.
3: <laughs> yeah. But but the thing is, the thing that that's so different is so so
2: now your mortgage is actually your mortgage. I mean, you're paying on right, right. just the mortgage, yeah,, mm-hmm. and it's because of our you know because in the United States, if you go buy a a house, you can be like seventy five eighty five years old, and you could still get a thirty year mortgage because yeah. that's just the way they do it. here they don't loan over
3: seventy five is Se- seventy five years old, so oh, wow. when they
2: when they first offered us a mortgage, they offered us an eight year mortgage, and it was like, oh. That's not Please. gonna work. For that's us. not. Yeah, <laughs> that's not working. We kind of begged and pleaded, and I think I cried. We got to uh 13, 13 years? year mortgage. We got a 13-year mortgage. Oh
0: wow. and they were
2: and our banker apologized up and down on the day we signed paper because they had just raised the interest rate and had gone up to a whopping 1.6%. What? Yeah, <laughs> yeah,
3: yeah. Yeah. That's and even, <laughs> even with He's all of that, twisting. <laughs> our mortgage payment is still less than our rental was in Lisbon. Oh, yeah. oh wow. Oh my God. So That's- you guys
1: are living large compared to Seattle or Portland or even Palm yeah. Springs. We're living very comfortably. Yeah. Yeah.
2: yeah. And then, you know, we have HOAs here too. And people got people, their hair was on fire when we got here because they just raised the HOAs to 22 euros a month.
0: Oh, my God. <laughs> Your HOA in the US is like, well, what is it? What is it? You know, is it five hundred? Is it a thousand? You know, it's crazy. Well, we paid we paid yeah, four seventy five. We, we, for we paid
3: money. up into the four hundreds yeah, for HOA. Before. Yeah,
0: yeah, that's not unusual. Uh. Uh, just for our audience, today's we're at the uh, end of May, and the US dollar is ninety three euros 0.93, not ninety three <laughs> euros. That would be way <laughs> off. Okay, so again, a dollar equals 0.93.
3: Right. Okay.
0: I see Tim looking it up.
3: So that's what it says
2: here. Yeah. One euro is a dollar seven. Okay. Same thing. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah.
0: Right. And uh, so we, for purposes of our conversation, it's pretty equal, I would say. Okay. It's very equal. Yeah. yeah, Yeah.
3: yeah, It's close enough. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So many people are moving to Portugal. The prices haven't gone up that much for real estate. They really
3: have. And I just read an article uh, two days ago. From another author who was promoting Portugal, but cautioning people that because of the influx of immigration from not only the U.S., but all over the world, the prices are going up here. It does make it much more difficult for the locals than it does for anybody else, because they don't have the same sort of earning power that even... You know, us retirees have to work with. So the the home prices are going up, rental rates are going up. The question is how much, and nobody seems to have a specific answer for that. And I think it depends probably more on what you're looking for. If you're looking for something on the low end of the spectrum uh, price wise, or up in the several hundred thousand dollar or uh, euro range, and whether you're looking in one of the the more popular cities or whether you're looking out in the more less populated rural areas of the country, which is a lot less expensive. And I think the prices are probably more stable out there.
1: What about rentals? You know the rental prices?
2: rental prices have gone up a little bit in almada um now we have a friend of ours that was living in she was living in kashkash and she had a one-bedroom rental in kashkash for 1200 euros she's got basically the same thing here for about 900 euros and you can usually find like a one-bedroom one bath probably starting in the low eights to a thousand okay and that's kind of shifted a little bit in the last year of course and you know you go bigger and and You know, you you get people that want two bedrooms, two baths, Mm -hmm. garage, blah, blah, blah. Well, you're going to (laughs) pay for it. You can pay for it anywhere. Mm -hmm. But, you know, just for the basics, it's, I think, around a thousand euros a month, you're still going to get something pretty pretty decent. It's funny because we have a lot, we belong to a lot of these Facebook expat pages. And there's a lot of people that are still very naive about, you know, about what pricing is. And it's kind of like, oh yeah, I'm, I'm moving there and my, my husband and my kids are coming and we want a three bedroom, two bath for around 600 a month. And it's like, (laughs) sorry, that ain't happening. Oh my, It's kind of like when everybody used to go to Mexico, you know, before Puerto Vallarta was really hot and they'd say, Oh, yeah, you know, I got a hotel room with, you know, blah, 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 for like $12 a week. And it's like, and that doesn't happen anymore. it just, right. you know, the wave yeah. is crested. So, yeah, but it's not awful. For us, it's still affordable. But, you know, it just depends. That's the other thing. It depends on where you're coming from, too. Right. This is affordable or you know, it's, expensive.
0: It's fair to the natives because... I feel bad for them. It's like when we used to go to Mexico on vacation, you you look around, there's so there's poor everywhere and you you feel guilty. And, and, you know, some of the private beaches, the natives that are the locals are are resentful. And, you know, that's a fair assessment. So that's I, that's I, I think, Yeah. Mm-hmm.
3: And we do see a little bit of that here. The minimum wage here is a monthly minimum wage. I believe it's around seven hundred sixty. Seven sixty. Seven sixty euros a month now. Which, interestingly, isn't that far different from the U.S. minimum wage of seven twenty-five an hour? Mm-hmm. But the difference is that um, even though you pay income tax on both of those whether you're in the states or you're in Portugal. In Portugal, healthcare is free, education is free. Yeah. And the taxes that we pay on things we buy here, there's a there's a I would call a sales tax, but it's a, it's a VAT tax and it's variable, it's not this it's not a fixed rate on everything. Right. But that is what funds the infrastructure and healthcare that we use here. So, obviously in both cases, most people will make more than the minimum wage. It can, be, it can be tight for anybody down at the, the lower end of the scale, whether you're in the States or whether you're here in Portugal, trying to find housing and for food costs and to feed a family and so forth.
0: Okay. So let's talk about just main amenities and things like that. What What's your Wi-Fi bill?
3: We have got a package deal from one of the major nationwide carriers called MEO, M-E-O, and it includes cable TV, which is digital, and... I don't know, hundreds of channels, just like you would have in the US, 99% of which you'll never watch. High speed internet with fiber optic coming right into the house with Wi-Fi and two cell phones for about 75 euros a month. That's lovely. Yeah, they
1: don't have a lot of expenses because they don't they don't have heat and air
3: conditioning. <laughs> right. <laughs> no heat, no air conditioning, no car. Yeah. So, uh, so in the winter we sit for and I took us off watching TV. <laughs> so it's like
2: I we actually have that AC our, portable. <laughs>
3: So one of the other major costs that most of us experience, you know, regardless of where we live is, is transportation. So, you know, in the States we had two cars with, Payments on them and, you know, gas with one and electric for actually both of them and insurance and maintenance and all that good stuff. Well, here we don't have a car, so we don't have any of those expenses, but we do use mass transit for almost everything and occasionally use Uber or Bolt ride sharing to get to places that, you know, we may not be able to get to conveniently otherwise. But the monthly pass for all of our mass transit is a flat $40 a month. Forty euros a month, excuse me, for an adult, and for senior is twenty. So between the wow. two of us, because one of us is an adult and the other one is a senior, <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! Our transportation is sixty euros a month, flat rate, oh, wow. and we go everywhere in the in the. This Lisbon in the region, Setubal region yeah, where mm-hmm, we live. Mm-hmm. Lisbon is actually in in the mm-hmm. district of Lisbon, and Almada's is in the district of Setubal, mm-hmm. which is everything south of the river in this this part of the country. It covers transportation in both those regions,
2: and that's buses, streetcars, metro, ferries, funiculars, some of the regional trains. So it's. It's amazing. And it was, I was just talking to somebody outside earlier, and I said, I don't miss a car. I don't miss. I haven't driven in over a year. I don't miss wow. it at all.
0: Really? Yeah. And how far is it to from your house over to the bus stop, let's say?
2: Probably, well, what, three blocks? To, oh, to, to, wow. To Jules to Ascent, probably three blocks, but we're kind of like at the top of a hill, so if yeah. we want to go to the ferry, we'll just walk down to the ferry, which is a 10-minute walk, and it's oh. downhill.
0: So everything so you, is walkable. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's, it's so walkable. walkable.
1: What what about if you just wanted to walk and you wanted to walk to a coffee shop or a restaurant? Are those close by?
3: Oh, about oh, two blocks. Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> and then when we get to the Gildescent Plaza, which is uh, about three blocks from here, there's a a metro station, you can pick up buses there. Um, there's coffee shops and
2: too. And you know, if you want something nicer, there's there's some great restaurants down on the water. There's Ponto Final, which has been made pretty famous by Feedfill. It's been in oh, a, wow. a lot of the foodies go to Ponto Final. But mm-hmm. then right next door, there's another one called Tirte do Rio, which is I even think almost better than Punto final, but you can sit right on the break wall along the river and have your dinner. And it's cool. You know, and it's walkable for us. You just, we can take the elevator down or we can walk along the breakfront, front and, you know, get there. And so there's all sorts of things that you can get. I mean, it's-
3: And it's all very reasonably priced. You can sit down and have a full meal with appetizer and a bottle of wine and dessert for- Well, the four
2: of us went, we went to Tirte de rio with your daughter and her husband. And I think our bill was like 61 euros. Wow. Wow.
0: That's amazing. And, and that's one, can...
2: one of the nicest places around.
0: Okay.
3: So if you really want to eat on the cheap, you could also do that. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, yeah. Man. You can get you gonna get burger fries and a drink for, you know, maybe six ninety five.
0: Wow. And of course there's the meal of the day,
2: right?
3: It's always yeah.
2: Every place has that. And the thing is too, like, you know, in, in America we have uh Burger King and McDonald's. Well, you know, you got that and we mm-hmm. don't go to that. But our version of Burger King and McDonald's is usually called a donor kebab. Um ah. it's it's the sliced food, you know, it's it's wow. like the stuff cheered off. Oh, the thing. donor
0: kebab. Yeah, yeah, we have plenty of that over here. Yeah. Everywhere. Yeah. You can
2: get a donor yeah. kebab, you can get a donor box, you know, you can get a full meal there. And it's like, look at a donor kebab. And it's like a box is like for a meal is five euros oh. with a drink.
0: Oh, that's incredible.
2: That's wonderful. So, yeah.
0: So I wanted to ask if you wanted to, let's say, take a short trip nearby, can you yeah. rent a car? Because the buses probably can take you there or the trains. But if you want that freedom to drive around.
3: We did go to Fatima one weekend and, and that's not part of within our regional transit system. So we just took a, a bus and they have absolutely beautiful tour buses that Mm -hmm. you can take to places like that uh you can rent a car and a lot of people do we haven't needed to do that yet it's expensive so we've even gone down to the southern coast down to to vera and and uh, other cities down in the algarve we take the regional train down there Mm -hmm. which for comparison costs me i think it's 15 euros each way
0: wow (laughs) Uh, (laughs) okay
3: seniors get a discount we we can get around down there even without renting a car
0: okay but Tim, you were saying that um, it's expensive.
2: What what it's, kinds of costs? You know, right off the top of my head, I don't have a, a cost figure. But the part of the problem is, is that during COVID, mm-hmm. nobody was touring. So like in the States, you know, rental companies... Just kind of cleaned out their lots because all mm. those cars are sitting there. So now right, right. nobody's prepped for the season, and they're still behind for the season here now. Mm-hmm. Like when we were here at the at the height of COVID, I think tourism was down sixty percent. Wow! And now I mean it's we were just over there last week. Crazy! It's just crazy over there already. But I know Tracy got a car, and she got a teeny tiny itty bitty car. But she said she it, she said it was still not bad, but it's like under a hundred euros for for a week. But oh. still you know still it's like it, to find it but the problem is too then you get a car then you got to make sure you have a transponder on it because there's the toll roads if you go anywhere oh. then you got to worry about parking right. and extra insurance right. on it cuz we don't have insurance at all so right 2 plus yeah. 2 plus 2 plus and 2 you to,
0: up, and you have to you have to understand the language i would assume because yeah. you know waze isn't going to well i guess you could i don't know i don't know what that oh means. yeah
3: the the we use mapping all the time apps um all the time and they're they're very good. Apple Maps works here. Google Maps works here. Um, mm-hmm. a lot of people do use Waze. They're in English. They're in English. So you can you can use your oh, GPS. That's right. It's international. Yeah. Maps all okay. over. Yeah. yeah. All right.
1: Okay. Let's move on to visas. And I want to remind people that we we're talking to Tim McBride and Daniel McBride. And importantly, Daniel McBride recently wrote a book. It's called So You Wanna to Move to Portugal, Your Ultimate Guide to Retiring in Portugal. And the book talks about visas, talks about
3: a lot of things. Can you talk a little about visas? Yes, thanks for the plug. The most popular visa for expats is is called the D7 and it's also known as the retirees visa because all it requires is that you have a passive income equal to or greater than the the Portuguese minimum wage, which as I mentioned is just a little over 700 euros a month. So if you have a retirement check coming from social security or from an, another uh, source that you don't have to work for, Uh, that qualifies for the income part of, and of course, there are some other qualifications, but they're pretty easily met by most of us. Uh, you do have to have a place to live. You have to buy insurance, uh, health insurance for the first period while you're getting your residency established here. That's all pretty easy stuff to do. And you get four months here in this, in the country, and then you go to your residency appointment with the SEF, which is the foreigners service registration. And then you get two year residency permit. And that can be renewed uh, every couple of years. And then once you have five years in, you are eligible to apply for citizenship, which you can have dual citizenship between the U.S. and Portugal. And did you hire an attorney or did you do it yourselves? We did hire an attorney. When we When we were here the first time two years ago visiting, by the time we got to the end of that first trip, we had decided that we wanted to pursue moving over here. So we hired a Portuguese attorney who was excellent. And she also helped us with the contracts when we rented our first apartment and when we purchased this apartment. And she specifically is an immigration attorney, though. So she knows English, she knows Portuguese. And she knows all the ins and outs of how to do all this stuff. She helped set up our bank account, worked with our real estate agent here to rent our first apartment, sight unseen, set up our finance number. You can't do any kinds of financial transactions here in the country without a finance number. So she set all that stuff up for us and made sure that we followed the path correctly to get here uh, without any snafus and then attended our SEF appointment with us four months later.
0: And how did you find your lawyer? Facebook?
3: You put out a request to expats. Yeah, I think I Fred's went on, I think I went to okay. one of the expat groups. Yeah. Got her name. Yeah, that seems to and be and then him. we just contacted her. We did a Zoom meeting before we even left the country and Mm -hmm. set up our relationship there and gave her power of attorney to open the bank account for us.
0: Okay. And so did you close out all your U.S. financial institutions and connections?
3: Not completely. We still have a U.S. bank account that we use for a few things. For instance, some of the streaming services that we use for videos and music and things like that are still U.S. based. And if we want to buy gifts for family and and friends that, that are shipped in the United States mm-hmm. those usually are paid for in dollars so we we have a bank account there that we still use for things that are based in the US but everything else we do here our social security checks are, are deposited directly here into our Portuguese bank account okay and they use direct withdrawal for almost everything here yeah our insurance and our mortgage and just about everything yes. we usually
2: we usually get one piece of mail a month and it's usually not even for us it's for, some, wow. it's for somebody who used to live here so it's like <laughs>
0: I would you know, love
2: that. Yeah. Oh, my God. Because, you know, in the States, you get the mail and you got oh, please, junk, 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 junk. I know. You know it's, it's
0: such a waste. It's such a waste. Speaking of that, I'd like to ask, is your area or Portugal in general, we've heard from some of our other guests, uh, would you say it's environmentally conscious?
2: somewhat I would say because we have the big recycling areas down at each end of the Brissetta and by the stops and stuff and they do come out you know they encourage you to break your stuff down and take it down to the plastic and the glass and the bins Mm -hmm. like that they are very encouraging here in the country overall with electric vehicles clean energy Okay, so they're really pushing that I think they don't really have like lead construction like they do in the states you know the the standards for environmental construction Right, right. but still I think it's much better than
3: I think they are I think being part of the EU has probably yeah. moved them forward because all of the countries in the EU have standards that they're trying to attain right. and I know that you know some are doing better than others in yeah, that regard yeah, right yeah. but they're all they're all working toward that sustainability
0: I mean because everywhere you go there are these bins that are you know they separate the item mm-hmm. right but, but people don't give um, a crap and they'll just throw stuff in and at yeah. at At the end of the day, I think sanitation comes around and just whops it all in together, which is horrible. It's like, what is the point? So I'm so aware of these things and becoming more and more aware that it's it's kind of difficult to live in in a place where your neighbors don't care about Mother Earth.
3: It's (laughs) relatively, they make it relatively easy here to do that because our trash is picked up in big bins out on the street Mm -hmm. and not at every single location, but maybe every third location, they Mm -hmm. also have have all the recycling bins so they make it pretty easy if you if you got to walk down to the store or the bus stop you to take, take your two. stuff down there and toss it into the recycling bins along yeah. the way and yeah. they're
2: these yeah. huge things that they they get a crane and they pull it out of the ground and oh. they open the bottom and they empty it and they put it back into the ground it's yeah they're really-
3: actually like <laughs> underground storage almost they're like giant dumpster bins that are underground and they have a a tube that comes up out of them where you where you throw yourself down into the tube like paper or cardboard or glass Glass or or whatever But then they open that up with a big truck with a crane on it and pull it out and empty it maybe oh once a week. I, I have, love that. I
0: have to Google this because I'm <laughs> like fascinated. By, I, I can't even imagine what this looks like.
2: And then with garbage collection, like Dan said, we don't have garbage cans here. Uh-huh. So we have to leave the Presetta and at one end, about a block up one end of the street are a couple of trash bins, a dumpsters, and then a block the other way are a couple of dumpsters. And they probably every three days they clean those out because wow. there's just a lot of people here. That's but
3: a little we, different, but I'll tell you, yeah. I've been pretty impressed with the overall uh, sophistication of the infrastructure here. Mm-hmm. I think for anybody who's never lived outside the United States, you probably really question, what is the water like? Can I drink yeah. the water everywhere? The answer is yes. You oh, can drink okay. the water everywhere. Is the electrical service stable? Yes. yes. I think our power has gone out once for five minutes in over a year that we've been here. Mm-hmm. Is is the internet service good? Yes, yes. it's very good. Uh, Is is the air clean? Yes. Do they have good streets? Yes. They do have some toll roads and toll bridges throughout the country. The infrastructure is very well developed here everywhere that we've been. And we've been from one end of the country to the other.
0: I I think Portugal is trying to make that priority because it's we hear that it's so welcoming and so many expats have moved over there Mm -hmm. for that reason as well. It's
2: it's very welcoming. People overall are very, very kind. We don't speak the language fluently. We kind of like bits and pieces. So we're and we're working we, on and it. And we take lessons. We go yeah. once a week for class. Oh, nice. But the thing we've learned with our neighbors is even if you try, they are very engaging. I think there's only one person that doesn't like us very much, but we don't. <laughs> But you know it's okay. It, we're still trying. We're trying.
0: Yeah. Well, that's but, all that
2: matters. Well, you know, and the other thing though I said to Dan today, because I was at the start and said, Yeah, she doesn't like us. But I <laughs> said, But you know what? Here's the deal though. I said, we're getting that taste of what it's like to be an immigrant. Yeah.
0: Exactly. And
2: people not liking you just for the fact of where you're from. You know, and I, OK, because we used to see that a lot in the Coachella yeah. Valley. And it's like, OK, I get it now. I understand that. But for the most part, even neighbors on the Praceta, not a lot of people speak English on the Praceta. And they're all very, you know, good morning. How are you? Beautiful day. And if you engage them, they're very, very, very happy to speak with you and nice. just mm-hmm. go on in Portuguese and they'll go slow and they point. And it's yeah,
0: yeah,
3: it's great.
1: Yeah,
2: yeah you get by. Yeah. OK, I think I know the answer to this question, but I'm going to ask it anyway.
1: You guys are so friendly, but you have trouble meeting making friends there?
3: Not really. Mm-hmm. I, I think you would, you know, it would be a challenge to make new friends anywhere that you move to and don't know anybody at all. We have other expat friends from the states that are moving over here or have moved over here. Tim's going yeah. to the gym. I, I've got a yoga group and we're, we're in some expat groups and we're, we are meeting people and we're meeting locals too, like yeah. you said. Um, And that's been really nice. It's, it's a little slow going.
2: But you got to put yourself out there too. You know, I mean, you can't, you know, my father always used to say if you're going to sit at home, you're not going to meet anybody. You know, it's like, <laughs> you get over that first, okay, we're going out. And we've gone to theater and we've gone to parties and we've gone to, we joined a meetup group for a, a supper club oh, where cool. you meet different people every single time. Wow. We've taken a cooking class. Uh, we go to this thing every other week, they do coffee and pastry for one of the expat groups. And then alternating weekends, they go to a bar. So it's, you know, you get out there and you meet people and just through different you know interactions, you you yeah. meet a lot of people. It's... Not as... I don't think I'm as ingrained with friends here as I was back in the states, but I've only been here a year too. So, right. And also,
0: yeah. you're going to learn Portuguese, which will take some time. That hinders it a bit, you know. Yeah. If you meet someone and like I talk to everyone on the street almost and, you know, my my life is an open book. So, it's I would find it hard to kind of share kind of those deeper, not deep, but you know, just beyond the surface uh mm-hmm. conversations. You know, how do you how do you talk to someone like how do you psychologically feel about this? You know what I mean? Come on. But you
2: got to remember, anybody maybe 50 and under speaks English or some form of English. Oh, because okay. after the revolution, people were educated. And so part of it was le- learning English. And they start learning about second year and they go through the end of high school right. taking English classes. So... For the most part, people do have some semblance of the English language, but a lot of them, especially over on this side of the river, will say I don't speak English because they're not confident in it. You know, just like we're not confident in Portuguese. And it's kind of like, well, we're just going to dive into this mess and (laughs) get it over with, you know? Yeah,
0: yeah. No, I get it. So let's move on to healthcare, a very Mm -hmm. important topic. Was that a factor in, in Almada? And tell us about what it's like there.
3: You start. It's not so much a, a factor in Almada specifically because it's a national healthcare system. So we actually got plugged into the system when, when we were in Lisbon at first. I've been to a couple doctors there for various things, including a couple of specialists. Mm-hmm. And they make a referral and it takes time, just like it does in the States. And you get your testing done and you have follow-up visits. A lot of the specialists in particular are hospital-based. So you go to a hospital where they have clinics located, especially for the, the specialty areas. Uh, and then they do have primary care clinics that are, that are standalone clinics in, all over the cities. But the biggest difference that I've had between my healthcare experience here and my healthcare experience in the United States, and I'm speaking as a healthcare provider as well, is that it's not only at least as good here, but I haven't paid a dime for it yet. Wow, wow. Other than out of my my VAT tax that we pay on everything. Everything you buy, you sure, pay a tax sure. on mm-hmm. anywhere from zero for things like prescriptions to twenty-three percent if you're gonna go buy a diet coke. Yeah. So that funds the healthcare system. And I have found, you know, the facilities are really basic. They're not fancy, but the the healthcare has been excellent.
0: Okay. And what and kinds of specialists was it difficult or easy to find? I mean, if you well, like, I need a dermatologist this week because uh-huh. I have this whatever. Do you go back to Facebook or do you? Does the system have uh, individuals that they assign?
3: Yeah, the system has their own network of specialists. So you go to a primary care provider and and they say, oh, you need to go to a dermatologist. So they set up an appointment with the dermatologist. If there are any tests that need to be done in the meantime, then they will they will arrange to have that that lab work done so that when you meet with your specialist, they have the labs and and of course. So specialists will often order their own set of tests as well. So it it operates pretty much the same as it does in the United States there. But the other option is, and I'll let Tim talk about this, is that you can buy private health insurance and go into the private health care system as well, which is a different set of providers and paid for with totally different means. So a lot of people use the public system that i've just described as well as private healthcare system with a private insurance
0: right so and, you can use both simultaneously yes.
3: yes yes okay and i
2: i took on private health insurance just because i was having some issues with arthritis in my hips mm-hmm. and i needed to get a treatment that if I went through the public system, you don't know how long you're going to have to wait. Right. So if you go with private health insurance, you go to their network of providers, which is called CUF, C-U-F. Mm-hmm. And it kind of allows you to skip the queue. I, like, I went in to see a provider for my issue. He went in, he said, well, we can't figure it out. Let's get you an MRI, an MRI and something else. It was like, And I said, okay, when are we going to do this? He goes, we'll take this form, go downstairs. <laughs> Okay. 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 So I went and he came back and says, yeah, you have this issue. So this is what we're going to do. The coverage we have isn't that really terrific. It's more like a discount program. Mm-hmm. But still, you know, I'm only paying 36 euros for a doctor visit. Wow. And for this guy, the, the process that I have, I, I had a treatment called PRP, which is protein-rich platelets, mm-hmm. which is kind of like a super white blood cell treatment. Now, in the States, if we did that, they charge you for a doctor's visit, they charge you for the treatment, they charge you for the injection, they charge you for the room, and you're walking out maybe a 1000 bucks out of pocket. Because Mm -hmm. of the fact that PRP is also considered an experimental therapy, so it's not covered by most programs. Here, because of the fact that I went to the doctor's office for a visit, he scheduled it as a procedure. We did the thing, it was 235 euros, I think is what Incredible. it was.
0: Yeah, no more that, filing claims.
3: Yeah, <laughs> and that is also a procedure that would not be covered. By the national system because it's not considered a standardized treatment. Sure. But he he'd had it before and we knew it worked. So he wanted to go that route to, to get that done. In the private system,
0: though, you don't get to kind of select your physician, right? Because I'm I'm just trying to explain to I guess everyone, including myself. The Here, private,
1: private, you do get to pick, I think.
2: Right? Well, let him speak.
0: But do they is there a list of let's say 10 10 hip specialists and yeah. research them up and down?
2: Within CUF, but here's what I also did too because I because I don't speak the language yeah. and it's also difficult. And a lot of expats go through the private healthcare system. There's a company called Serenity, which is your concierge for healthcare. Oh, okay. So you subscribe to this service. It's a, mm-hmm. a one year charge and then you're assigned to a uh, representative who when you need to go find an osteopath, Mm -hmm. you call them. When you need to go in and have your prescriptions renewed, you call them, they make the appointment for you. So it's kind of... Yeah, is it kind of like one of those, yeah, do I really need to do this? Well, yeah, the first year I do, because mm-hmm. I wanted to get established in the system. Going forward, I don't know that I will use it okay. past this point. But it has been really a help because there were issues with our healthcare coverage, with our private insurance, with the appointments, with the billing, and all things that I couldn't navigate. Right, right. <clears throat> And so that was a big help too. And they've helped me find within my program and my coverage, mm-hmm. they've helped me find those doctors.
3: And we are considering getting a different, regular, more of a standardized insurance plan uh, going forward. We haven't done it yet. That's something we're considering. And it is available for about $100 a month or 100 euros a month. You can get what's more like a U.S. type health insurance plan that has deductibles and co-payments and so forth.
0: Really? And okay. And you can also select your physicians?
3: Yes. Within their networks. Within their networks. Within
0: their networks. Okay. But like...
3: You know, it's like I had,
2: um, you know, I had coverage. I think I had United Healthcare was my last coverage, and I got the plan where if you got hit by a truck and needed a plate in your head, you're pretty covered. <laughs> but if you got sick and went to the doctor, it's all out of pocket for like yeah, for sure. seventy five hundred dollars. Yeah. And I was paying even during even during the course of COVID, I was still paying seven hundred dollars a month for that. Wow. <clears throat> Here, the two of us looking at a combined program, we did like their... Middle of the road bronze plan for everything is still like three hundred something for both of us,
3: three thirty something euros a month for, okay. for, for, both, tr- of for both of us, nice. like, yeah. and
2: that's like that's t- and that's our copay down to like fifteen euros for copays and prescription filling and all that. It's yeah. like it's yeah. it's boggles the mind.
3: Needless yeah. to say, it's far less expensive to have even good private healthcare coverage here than it is to be on Medicare. At home in the state. Mm. Wow,
0: that's a good point to make. Because yeah. you know,
3: even Medicare has deductibles and co-payments and premiums of about at least three hundred dollars a month, depending on which plan you're on.
0: Right. Well, the U.S. healthcare system is. Let's not talk okay. about that. Yeah, yeah we um, don't have to use those words on the on the air. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, we forget that Dan is a PA.
0: Yeah, I know. I know. that's why I want to know. <laughs> I, I have these specific questions. But the uh, MRI must have had a little cost attached. Uh, oh, Tim, when that? you went in for that, was that? Part Part of that overall fee that you walked out with?
2: The that- MRI and the ultrasound for my shoulder was
3: an additional 100 euros.
0: Oh my God.
3: Do most of the doctors speak English in Portugal? All the ones I have been to at least speak functional, what I would call functional English. We get along just fine. I don't have to try to use a translator or speak Portuguese. And they do they do well with English. I think Tim's docs have also.
2: My docs are great. The very first doctor that I went to to get established, though, did not speak a word of English. It was a freaking nightmare. Oh my! <laughs> it was. An, well, because we were there a matter of months. Yeah. And I don't know half the words, you know, we're trying to yeah. work working. With Google Translate, and she I won't know. type, you know, and she keeps saying it over and over again. It's like talking. To, you know, it's like your dad talking to you when you're sixteen. You say it over and over and, <laughs> and, over, and over again. Or they'll and, speak
0: louder. <laughs>
2: exactly. But uh, it was a, it was a nightmare. We came out and I said, "How was your appointment?" He goes, "Oh, great. They spoke English. It was great." He said, "How was yours?" I was like, Ugh, "It was a nightmare. It was terrible." But after that, it's it's all been really good. It's been fine.
3: Yeah, it really has not been much of a barrier at all. The the language here um, with healthcare.
2: There are some. Great great resources on those facebook groups Mm -hmm. you know and it's like and i think going to the files on some of those are really great it's it's the people that like come on there and go i have this big swollen thing on the side of my head what should i do (laughs) oh yeah by all all means ask facebook why don't you try
3: going to the hospital and having it checked out
2: (laughs) all right on that
1: note (laughs) <laughs> it's important. On, That's on, very important. on that note let's move on to moving to portugal okay. now now in dan's book he mentions that you guys checked 11 bags on the plane when yes. you moved to portugal i didn't even know you could check 11 bags did you go oh and a dog and, and a, a dog. dog yeah well we'll get to the dog but tell us a little <laughs> about moving to portugal and how what was that like did you get rid of everything did you get a dumpster and dump everything out what did you do
3: well, we got rid of a lot of stuff. We had a whole house full of stuff and a garage full and a couple cars and a grand piano. And uh, ah, we, we, we had to prioritize what we absolutely had to have and what we, what we absolutely could not take with this. And then everything in between, we had to decide, are we going to, we're going to sell it? Are we going to give it away? Are we going to throw it away? And, uh, that, that is it's, quite the process.
2: It's, yeah. you know, and, and I think Dan found this book that kind of helped us deal with how to approach it. Because I think when you look at your whole life and your house full of stuff, you kind of define yourself by what you have here, what you've accumulated
3: stuff. over all these years. And
2: that's how you identified. And you're thinking, I got to shed all of this, you know, what do I do? So there was a book called the fine art of swedish death cleaning oh
0: yeah yeah we know about that
2: yeah so we both <laughs> read it and it was great and oh, it this was, woman
0: was great yeah. i know there's a and facebook for, group
2: <laughs> yes yeah, yeah. i belong to it <laughs> but we kind of did it in phases you know we yeah. did it in phases where we did uh, you know where we sold oh i think we sold like the dining room set and we sold the bedroom set and we sold you know we kind of moved the big ticket items and then kind of like started going through and then we kind of had a toss, donate share kind of thing, you know, and I had stuff from my great grandparents, I have my great grandmother's stemware and you know, plates from my great great aunts and platters wow. and stuff. And that went to nieces and nephews. Oh, and nice. we have some very dear friends of ours that you know, I got a couple of my grandmas serving pieces and things like that. Mm-hmm. I think the hardest for me to let go is the piano.
0: Yeah,
2: when we got married, Dan bought this baby grand piano.
0: I was just it's gonna say, a baby wedding grand. Present. Okay. yeah,
2: wow. it was a five foot baby grand, and it was, um, it was kind. Kind of a, a little bit of a sanity exercise during COVID to be able to play that during the day when he was gone and just kind of keep it together. You know, nobody wants pianos anymore. It's kind of hard to
3: to move it. It's hard to give them away.
2: And so this guy, we had an asking price. This guy came. He was a he was a music teacher. He was a composer. He was a conductor. And he came and he rode his bike from Palm Springs in the hundred degree heat to, to check this piano out oh, wow. and he came in and he sat down and I think he was playing Claire de Lune and I was back doing Ooh. things in the back of the house uh-huh. and I heard it and Dan walked back then and I said I don't care what he offers it's his it was just uh, and that like, was nice I found the person you know I, it yes, was more about yes. finding the person I, I
0: was just going to say he's the guy
2: yeah, then get him yeah, the money. Exactly. And, he, oh. and he came back on. I said, so what do you think? And he goes, and he started this whole thing. Well, you know, the touch on it and the hammers and blah, <laughs> blah, 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 blah. And I said, look, dude, you know what I want for it. How much are you offering? He says, I can't, I can't offer your price. And I said, I didn't ask that. How much are you offering? And he gave us a price. And I said, sold. and oh, that, that was, was nice. Oh,
0: so, wow. so he, was he, he trying to like nickel and dime, you think? No,
2: no, no, no he was very. I think important.
3: he was just more apologetic offer? that he really wanted it. Oh, he couldn't justify spending. he couldn't make art
2: he couldn't make and and it's kind of like real estate you know the market's only gonna pay with the market's (laughs) only gonna pay
0: that's right yeah Yeah.
2: but it was more about finding the touch and the sound and the love for the piano
0: yeah and i felt that
2: when he was playing it it's like yeah this is you feel good i feel good about that i cried when he they took it i cried when they took it out but I felt good about that. And, you know, and everything else, growing up, you know, when things would happen in the house and things would break or things would get taken away or something, my mom would say, look, it's just stuff. It's just stuff. And we'll get more stuff.
0: Right.
2: So I kind of had to, turn that on and that's kind of what we did
0: yeah we released an episode recently we interviewed peter walsh professional organizer from Uh, uh, australia are you familiar with him no no but we know we've heard we
2: know about organizing yeah
0: he he gave it to me when i talked about (laughs) i retired a year and a half ago and i have my um kind of career wardrobe and he's like you're living in the past And I said, I know, I know. I just have to get it out and, you know, just just get rid of it. But but Peter, if you're listening, part of that is I'm also lazy. Okay. So I'm not as uh, (laughs) uncaring as some may think. (laughs) All right. All right. Let's leave
1: it. What about bringing your dog, Bubba, really cute, by the way, to Portugal? Uh, How how did that
2: go? Well, we had to jump through several hoops because one of the things was that he had to be checked out by a USDA certified veterinarian. We had to have like the good housekeeping stamp and yeah. approval, and then yeah. I guess so we could eat them when we were done. I don't know <laughs> USDA, but uh, there's there's a process that you have to go through. But the hard part is is that the the approval is only for a short window. You have to do it in such a way that you get you get the uh, appointment in, you get the paperwork in, you get the paperwork back, so that you can get on the plane. It's like this. It's like this really delicate ballet. And so uh, we took him in for. Uh, First appointment, checked out. They sent the paperwork up. They had to send it to Sacramento because it had to be USDA headquarters, had to sign off on it and Apple steal it. And then they sent it back. And we were supposed to have it, I think, by the Thursday and we were leaving on Saturday. They And so Thursday comes and goes, and we don't have it. And Friday comes and goes, and we don't have it. And we're calling and calling. Oh, well, they sent it back FedEx three-day instead of FedEx overnight. So come saturday we were leaving on sunday we come saturday we were sitting in the driveway waiting for FedEx to get there so that we could just take the envelope and pull out of the driveway. It was one of those things. But then he gets over and he was small enough that he could go underneath the seat with us. Oh. So we took him in a little carrier and we took him underneath the seat with us because he was he was 7 kilos, not 7 kilos, yeah. about 14 pounds. We put him in underneath the seat and then it was great because flying in covid it wasn't the plane wasn't packed. Nice so fun. I just slid over a chair, we put his little case up on the seat. He <laughs> could basically fly with us. And then when we land and collect our bags, there's a veterinarian right there before you go through final checkout of customs. And they have to check over all of your paperwork. They have to coordinate the paperwork. The good part was because, and Dan said, well, you know, I got a digital copy of everything that's coming. Yeah. Yeah. We'll just print that out. So if worse comes to worse, we can just turn that in. Sure. Well, we got to the San Francisco airport and she said, do you have the paper for the paperwork for the dogs? I'm like, yeah. And she gets it and she opens it up. And the first thing she does is slide her thumb over the embossed corners. Of everything from oh, USDA, to make, to sure. make sure it was real. Oh, wow! It was like,
3: well, yeah, they'd send us an electronic copy, but that's not what that's, they required. They required they, the, the original did. embossed yeah. paper to get into the airport yeah. with them. So it all worked out, but it was like you said, it was a, it was a dance. It, it
2: was a dance, and then once we checked out with the vet, she's like, "You're good to go. We didn't, we, we don't quarantine. We wow. don't do anything. It's fine." It was so great. Bubba
0: oh. is FDA approved.
2: He's FDA approved, <laughs> USDA approved. You, we can have yeah. it for dinner. <laughs> yeah, USDA. Well, that's
0: and, uh, so, that was a you, great question, Jane, right? Um and then once what you kind of your, dog is she, is Bubba?
3: Once you get him into the country, then you ha- you make a, an appointment with a local vet. And we had a we have a really nice vet that comes out to our house and Aww. takes good care of him and they have in yeah. the vet will register them with the local the local city that you that you're living in. Mhm make sure that they have all their vaccinations. And they do require a little bit different vaccination combination than we're used to in the States so that he gets new vaccines, takes good care of him.
0: Oh, Bubba and- is a special, lucky, lucky
3: lucky. Yes. He's a dear Chihuahua. So he's a big oh. Chihuahua. He's not one of the little tiny ones. He's I was say, He's hey, 14. I, okay. He's about 14 pounds.
0: Okay. Because he doesn't he's, look like a typical Chihuahua, right?
1: Yeah, no, 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 not he's a teacup Chihuahua. and Oh, but he, he's but he's so good. He hadn't said a word during the
3: whole show. Well, he's, yeah. he's little very little quiet. Kid. Yeah, yeah. How old is he?
2: Fourteen.
3: He's uh, he's about oh. fourteen years old. He's getting he's slowing down and he's pretty quiet now.
2: Yeah.
0: He took his long flight. <laughs> he made the, the long seat.
2: flight. He became an international sensation, and <laughs> <nothing> left. <laughs> now he's retired,
3: like his dad's. All right. sit
2: so, there like a grandpa. He's just kind of like, no, nah, no, nah, no, nah. you like <laughs> he's
0: like, "You can't leave me behind in hot weather and he oh, we
2: would <laughs> we would have never.
3: That was not even an issue.
1: <laughs> I just have a question about the 11 bags you took on the plane. What kind of bags did you take, sure. Greg?
3: So, we found the biggest bags we could find to check. We took our we took some backpacks and some roller bags on the plane with us along with his carrier. And then the other bags Um, we only checked, I think, I don't know, maybe eight bags, eight bags or something like that. Mm -hmm. And four of them, two bags each were included in the price of our tickets. So we upgraded our tickets to the maximum number of bags that we could carry on with us because it was cheaper to upgrade the ticket than it was to pay for extra bags. Wow.
0: What airline? And,
3: and then for the ones Cap Air. above that, the ones beyond that, I think we only had to pay for maybe three extra bags beyond that. And they were about $125 or $150 a piece. Wow. So wow. We, we went to Amazon and you can buy these big moving bags hmm. that are the maximums size. You just put up to 50 pounds of stuff in them and check them with everything else. Wow. And Very they good.
2: weighed every single one of those bags. Oh, yeah.
0: Oh, yeah. yeah.
3: And I made sure they were just a, a few pounds under 50 so that we wouldn't get zing well, for it's, that. It's a good thing nice. to weigh
0: them because when we were in, uh, what was it, Hawaii on our way back, the bag was 51
3: <laughs> bag. Well, did they allow you to take something out? Yes.
0: Well, yeah. Then you have to go back and you have to go through this agricultural line. And oh, I'm like, no. I have no food. It doesn't matter. You got to go through the line and you go back. So I was out there and my son was with us. And so he and Gene were inside watching some basketball game. And I'm out there struggling with three <laughs> effing flipping bags. And I'm trying to take out like things like, is this a pound? Is this a pound? <laughs> and then and then I was still over I had to go back a third time and the agricultural guy looks at me I go it's me again I mean how many Asians did you just see well that's Hawaii so I.
2: (laughs) that's Hawaii everybody
0: (laughs) (laughs) really dumb but anyway I I got through and then they show up it's like oh so how was your weight I'm like
2: don't Don't ask ask.
1: don't ask okay Oh, what about talk about in your book bringing electrical appliances you talk a little about
3: that in Portugal we bought all new electrical appliances here Except for all of our computers and cell phone stuff is dual voltage. So we didn't have to replace any of that. So we've got our laptops and and tablets and and cell phones. And then there were a handful of other things like rechargeable razors and things like that, that are also dual voltage that you can bring and either just put a new cord on them. Like we got new cords for our computers, or you can use an adapter and they're really cheap. Um, But everything else we just bought new, we bought all new kitchen appliances and all that kind of stuff when we got here and everything that you need is readily available and good high quality products. And they're not terribly expensive.
0: So it's cheaper so, there to buy.
3: Most things. Yeah. You're not going to find a KitchenAid mixer for $200 over here. I can guarantee that. You're not going to find it in the
2: States for $200. Because of,
3: <laughs> because of the, the taxes. Anything that's brought in from outside the EU, you, you've got to pay taxes wow. on. So anything that's made in the States is going to cost more here. Anything that's made in Europe is going to cost less here. Just buy
2: DeLonghi, Gil. All right, Gene. <laughs> All right. No, we have a DeLonghi... Espresso maker, yeah, That's a nice, well, we nice. Oh.
3: And instead of buying a <laughs> KitchenAid, long- we bought a <laughs> we bought a Bosch, a Bosch mixer.
0: <laughs> All right. On that note, we have spent a lot of time, and gentlemen, have we missed anything? Would you like to share any words of wisdom before we?
3: Uh, start? Uh, let me just go through my notes and see. Oh, we didn't. We talked some about the food. The food is awesome here. We talked okay. about it's relatively inexpensive.
2: I think the one question that people always ask friends, family, people that come visit us is like, "Do you miss the state? Do you have any regrets?" No, no, no. whatsoever. Oh, really?
3: I'm going back for a high school reunion in August, and. Santa- And if it weren't for the fact that it's my 50-year reunion and my family's in the same town, and, you know, I get to see my my kids and go to high school reunion, Both, I wouldn't go back. Wow.
2: wow. And I, I have no desire to go back to the state. To be honest with you, I I know I will never go back and live there. I really have no desire to travel back there. I mean, my mom's there, but yeah. we talk every week or we Zoom or we FaceTime wow. or stuff, which is fine. But uh, yeah, I don't miss it. I was really concerned that when we went back in October for his son's wedding, that my big thing is this, this little angst of like, what if we go back and I really miss it? What if I want to go back? What are we going to do? You know, and and I, and I was kind of like, oh, yeah, I can't wait to get back home. I never call the states home. That's oh, stateside. Wow. This is home. Wow. wow. Yeah, so and I love your mom.
0: To- your mom must miss you
2: you know what uh, she's a mile from my brother I have a sister in Oregon (laughs) I have a sister in North Carolina and you know we're all we're all over the place she's still pretty spry but we talk all the time so it's not like it's not like the olden days where you had to write
3: a letter and it'd be seven (laughs) days you get like a letter in the mail Yeah, you know So and we've had a lot of visitors he had a a nephew that came over and saw us actually over in the UK right now mm -hmm. Um, my mother and two brothers and one one wife just was here last week my daughter and her her husband were here. I had a young, oh. another brother that was here. My sister and her husband are coming next week. My, my best friend's dad. coming
2: two weeks after that. Oh so, so you know,
3: <laughs> so, you're so busy. We've been pretty busy. yes. <laughs> yeah, And, you know, we, we do see family occasionally. And now yeah. that's probably going to slow down after yeah. the first year or two. I need to get a job so I can relax. <laughs>
0: <laughs> All right. So Dan and Tim, this was a- great episode we appreciate all the time you spent with us we we hope we didn't take up too much of your morning or your no afternoon no problem
2: our and afternoon
0: our <laughs> afternoon yeah that's right right for you guys for me it's now breakfast time oh yes bagels so, and
1: coffee yeah yeah but well, we tr- we traditionally go out for breakfast after one of these
0: <laughs> yeah, oh, Great. yes so very nice stay in touch really it's so nice to meet you thank you
1: thank you take care thank you so much Have a great time okay. all all right. Right. bye bye, bye.
0: In the meantime, be well.